out here for uh, all the youngins who want to go to class. We got, we're going to be in the back room this time. Laura and Miss Kathy are going to have you, so come on up front and we'll go through here and, and you're going to be in the gym. Try to keep them out of all that. Oh, I would. <laughs> I know you did, so you got something even better. Now, if I happen to disappear, Ray, you just start singing because Laura is, and Dave's fixing elephant ears for the kids today. She, she made elephant ears. And so it's like, I might have to come back and grab one of those. Oh. Well, as we get ready, we'll, we'll pray for all. And how's, uh, I got an update for Chris, so... He's out? The Grand View or Grand Valley now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. That's another praise report because Chris that we've been praying for for about three weeks at least now, isn't it? Four weeks almost. Um, he was in the hospital with, with the COVID very bad. They didn't think he was going to make it out. Uh, prayers turned everything around and uh, he got moved yesterday to the Grand Valley and can walk with some help. So praise God. So there's another, another praise report. And um, we'll be praying for all of the folks on our prayer list this week. We got um, Pam's sister's in-law, Squeaky. And we got uh, Sandy's not here today with her knee. And Dina's son, Isaac, is going in Tuesday for a gallbladder surgery. And uh, Ben's under the weather and Miss Betty. And, and Dean's going in for a, um, a procedure on Wednesday. So those are the ones that I'm, I'm aware of right now. So we've got a lot of prayers and... Uh, are you, are you ready to get ready to study the Word of God? Well, well, we'll ask God's favor upon those that we mentioned and then His blessing upon His Word for this day. Father in heaven, as we prepare to worship you through your word, we've sang our praises to you. We give praise reports thanking you for what you're doing and how active you are within your body of Christ here. Father, I remember the story of the ten lepers and as they were going on their way and they were healed, only one of them came back. And uh, Jesus asked him, were not the other nine healed? He said, yeah, but I'm the only one that came back. And so Jesus blessed him and told him to, to go on. And his faith has made him whole. And so, Father, 
we love to give you the praise reports every time we give you prayers and we offer up just as we are now for those that we mentioned. We offer up prayers for their healing, for their help and for their families who are taking care of them. And so, Father, we also want to give you the praises. And so we had a couple of joyous praise reports as we started. And now we're getting ready to dig into your word and to worship you in that way. And we've we've sang and we're going to sing at the close. And when we just praise you, we're here to worship you and to exalt you. And Father, the one way that you're exalted is when your word is presented and your spirit makes it real to us. And Father, I pray. I pray that your Holy Spirit makes the word of God real to us. Help us to know that it is more real than this world that we're in. We're walking by faith and not by sight. And this world was created long after eternity has existed forever in the realm that you're in. And it's going to exist after this world is destroyed. And so, Father, this is not the real world. The real world is the supernatural that's out there that we, we don't yet as see, but we get glimpses of it through your word. So I pray that the word becomes more real in our lives than what the things that we see. What do we have to fear? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Lord, we want to be aware of the war that's raging around us. But do not give us a spirit of fear. That's not what you give. But we want a spirit of, of love, courage, and a sound mind. So, Father, we pray that we will be strong, be courageous like you told Joshua. I pray that we will understand the, the workings of the one that we're battling. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Father, help us to understand it. And help us to then trust in you with all of our heart all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our being. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we've been taking a journey on the seed wars and uh, the war of the serpent versus the war of the seed of the woman or those who are going to be by faith in Christ and, and are God's people. And once the devil thought he knew about the game plan that was on after that, that commission in the garden when the enmity between the seeds was placed by God himself on that, the, he knew what he had to try to stop, so he began going against that. It began immediately after that pronouncement with Cain slaying his brother Abel, and he thought he had won a victory. He's like, man, I took the seed of the woman and I, I've stolen the heart of the one and he is already mine and we've killed the other one and now look, but then God wasn't through. The next thing that we had as that chapter closed in chapter 4 was the message of grace. And the message of grace was in 425 when it said that Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and named him Seth for God has appointed another seed for me. And I'm, I'm glad that they put that word seed in there because that's what this is about, the seed war that is going on. So Seth was an appointed seed now of the woman to carry that lineage of Christ on and to go through it. And it was continued now through Seth. But he's going to use any means possible to try and destroy everything. So the next thing he does we come to is Genesis chapter 6. And we talked about there that the angelic beings, those sons of God, 
how that they crossed the line of no return and went in unto the daughters of men. And then it says this in Jude 1, the angels did two things. The original language uses the word both here. Yeah, there we go. When it says which, the word there is both. So the angels both did not keep their first estate. The first realm, that's the heavenly realm that they were in that is unseen to us. But they chose to leave that realm that they were created in and that they have authority to dwell in and are authorized to be there. They left that, not only that first realm did they leave, but they also left something else and the word there is habitation. It says that they left their first estate and their own habitation. Now that word is an interesting word that the Holy Spirit chose to use here. And I'm going to go a little deeper on you than last week we introduced it. Now I want to go a little deeper because it says this habitation, not only the realm, the estate, but the habitation. So what, what was the habitation? What is the Holy Spirit really talking about? It's only used two times in the Bible. It's used right here for the angels. But we have a commentary on what God's trying to get across to us in the next verse that I want to bring you up. The only other verse that this is used in is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2. So here is 2 Corinthians 5, so you don't have to turn to it because we'll only be here for a second. But this is what this section of scripture is. And it's a commentary on what our habitation is. For we know, you get that? God wants us to know something. He wants us to be assured of something. Paul writes to them and says, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this earthly body is what he's talking about. The, the tabernacle is a tent. It is a temporary dwelling place. This body is our temporary dwelling place. And it says that if our earthly house of this tabernacle that's, that's on the earth was to be dissolved or to be brought back to the dust from which it came, in other words. We have a building of God, a house or a tabernacle, a dwelling place, a lodging place, not made with hands. I want you to underline that in your mind, that's not made with hands, but I'm going to come to another phrase in the Bible later on that says not made with hands. And you're going to go, oh, I'm beginning to see even more. It'll be another layer of that onion going on. But it says, if this earthly body is dissolved, we're going to have another building, another body, another house for the soul of man that is not made with hands, but this one is eternal in the heavens. So there is a body that we have on this earth, but the earthly bodies go back to the dust of the ground the other body that we're going to have when this one is gone is not an earthly house. It is a celestial house that is not made with hands. It will be eternal in the heavenly realm. And for in this we groan earnestly. And man, as I was studying and looking through that, that word for earnestly groaning means to be wanting to get through it as a woman who is going through childbirth. So this word means that the pressure from external and internal sources 
it, that is just like the pressure of childbirth that you're wanting to just be able to squeeze through and get this over with. He says, the next realm is going to be so much better that the realm that we're in now in this body should be like we should be so desiring for the Lord Jesus to come that every day I am groaning inside of this body for the revealing of him to come and take me away. And he says, I, I want us to earnestly desire to be clothed upon with our house which is in the heavens. Now that word house there that is from heaven is the same word of habitation that the angels removed from themselves. So it says, but we have, we want to be clothed upon with the house which is of heaven. If so being, that being clothed, we will not be found naked. In other words, our soul will not have a non-dwelling place to be in, but wander about as a lost and wandering soul. We are in a body right now. And it is desiring to be clothed again with that body not made with hands. It's in the heavenly realm. We that are in this tabernacle on this earth do groan being burdened. And there's that same words and same feeling again. We are being burdened as in childbirth to be born again into that new celestial body. Not that we want to just be unclothed. No, it's not that we just want to rip this body off and our spirit to be unclothed. But we desire to be clothed upon that this mortality might be swallowed up of life. So in other words, there's a body that's going to be a body of life. This is a body of death that is continually deteriorating and degrading. And one day it's going to go back to the dust and our soul, the real us that is eternal, will be unclothed from this and will later be clothed with our new one. Now, he that hath wrought for this thing is God, who also give it to us also something else, the earnest of the Spirit. Do you know that the Spirit of God, when you believe and are baptized into Christ, we've talked about Acts chapter 238, that, that he's, uh, Peter told him to repent. Every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that being born again, that gift of the Spirit is also now the Spirit lives in us. We said that in the prayer that greater is he that is in us than he's in the world. Do you know he's your down payment? If you have ever, if you have ever bought a house and you had to put earnest money down on that house, a good chunk to guarantee that you wanted to buy that house and that you were serious about it, you had to put a chunk of earnest money down. That is the word used right here, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Spirit within us as a guarantee that He is coming to get us and to take us into His realm with Him and to be clothed again with this new body. Therefore... We ought always to be confident. We don't have to be non-confident. He says be confident knowing. We started with know this and now we are saying knowing that. While we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. So are you beginning to see that this body is an earthly body? It's on an earthly realm. And while we were here in this body, the real me is in this body. I am on the earth and I am absent from the Lord. 
and absent from that realm that he is in. But it says that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. But we are confident and I say we are willing to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. So now that is a commentary on how that the soul gets transferred. Just like 1 Corinthians 15 says that in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are changed. Our bodies, if we are alive and upon this earth, will be changed and it will be changed from a mortal body to that immortal body that we are now going to be clothed upon with. It goes from a body of dust to a body of light, a body of supernatural that can withstand anything. It is eternal body. So Paul says, I am confident that I want to be absent from here and to be present with the Lord. So there's a different realm, a different body that we have, and even our body can be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And that's the same thing that we studied in in Genesis way back about two years ago when we covered Adam and the fall, is that the process went backwards. Adam was created in, in a body that seems to be in a celestial type body. And at the moment that Adam and Eve took of that, everything changed. And they became a body now that was dying. In that moment, in the twinkling of eye went back. And that's why we have to now be born again to regain that promise to be reclothed upon with that type of a body. So now, when we understand that there's an earthly body, our soul is in it, but in a moment it can be changed into a different body, we begin to understand a little bit then going back to Jude 1. It says there that the angels did not keep their first estate, that spiritual realm that's out there that we, we cannot see, just like we are not face-to-face with Christ, and they also left that habitation. In other words, that same word that's talking about what we have been clothed upon with. They uncovered that somehow and, and became a different type of a form. They took on the form of flesh and left the celestial body. I don't know how they did it, but it happens. What happens when the angels came with Christ in human form, visited with Abraham and said, we're going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if everything we're hearing is true. Those were angels who were in the bodies of men and those men in that city desired them. Whenever... Whenever you see angelic beings like that, it says you and I in the book of Hebrews to entertain strangers because you have entertained angels unawares. So there is a way that they can put on a, a human type of body and you can't tell who they were, but you entertained an angel when you entertained that stranger. So we can understand, I don't know how God does it, but I can understand that he does do it. And this happened then. And they became unclothed from that habitation and left that estate. And because they did that, they are reserved in everlasting change. And it says angels. It doesn't say other men. It doesn't say the line of of Cain. It says angels that did not keep that and keep their habitation. That now he hath put them in everlasting chains. Waiting in darkness for the great judgments to come. So now... 
with that, as we go back to Genesis chapter 6, I'm laying a foundation from where we're going from here. I, but I wanted to take you a little deeper for our understanding before we got there. Now, this Nephilim, the offspring of the fallen that we saw in Genesis 6, from the angels then that sinned and crossed over, left that uh, estate and habitation. In verse 5, you, you can go to Genesis 6 if you want or just follow along. But if, if you turn there, we pick up the story again in verse 5. And it says, the wickedness was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continuously, because the earth was now corrupt. Look at verse 11 and 12. The earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. So the word for corrupt is a word that is a term for the DNA of the people whenever that situation with the angels happened and the offspring were a different breed. They are called them and not children in the Bible. It says that, that because of that unholy union, the seed of man had become corrupted, perverted. It was ruined. That's what the word actually means. By the mixing of the seed, the genetic seed of the demonic realm with the genetic seed of the woman. And so the Nephilim was genetically corrupted and no longer pure humanity. And in verse 12 says this, So God looked upon the earth. So God is now looking upon this realm. And he beheld that it was corrupted. It was totally corrupted. For how much flesh? Hmm? All. All flesh. Boy, he had to stop it quick because we'd got down to just eight, hadn't we? Noah and, and his family. Because when the word of God says all, that means all. And I'm beginning to wonder now through my studies if that didn't also mean the animal realm. And that's why they were the whole world had to be destroyed. And God says everything that has breath, even the animals with it. So it says that God looked upon the earth and all flesh had corrupted their way. You notice it. It, it's using these terms their way up on the earth. And all flesh had become corrupted, polluted. Something happened to it. But Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And in verse 9, he was perfect in his generations. And we saw that in chapter 5. It went from Adam to Noah, the ten generations. And he was perfect. He had not had any of this happen to him. So there's a reason we're doing this because I want you to notice something and, and take you some notes, make you some points here. First thing that we notice is that the serpent and his seed and this enmity war that he has, he's relentless in his attack. I mean, he went to Cain, he grabbed his heart, he influenced Cain to kill Abel. That next thing he knew when there was a new line, what I, I've still got to go. I'm relentless. So now we are going to go to everyone that's on the earth. We are going to try to take this planet. So the seed of the serpent is relentless. And I want you to know it's still ongoing today. And that's why I'm bringing this up. And the seed of the serpent is cruel. It says that it is greatly wicked. That every imagination of the heart of these fallen ones, the seed is wicked. It is gory. It was bloodthirsty. It was wickedness. I don't know if you and I can actually understand that. Because if you stop and think about it, 
we live a pretty sheltered life in the United States of America so far, and especially where we're at right now. And those of us who are here in this room have pretty much all of us confessed Christ, and we are believers in God, and, and we love Him. And in that case, we're filled with the Spirit of God. And being filled with the Spirit of God, we, and as we, as we live by the Word of God, pretty soon the Spirit produces fruit in our life. It's supposed to produce fruit to where we bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness. Now, if we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and beginning to produce these fruits in our life, and that is our walk, do you think that we really understand the heart and soul of evil? I don't think we grasp the evilness that is actually against us and that is working out there. I don't think that we can. Genesis 6 is telling us about the genetic infiltration because it's all about the seed war that is going on when the enmity was placed there. And I don't think that we get it that it's still going on to this day as vicious and tough as it was in the days of Noah that it was. Remember that term because that's where we're going. Because... It says in verse 11 and verse 13 there, there is a term called violence. The last word in verse 11. And then in verse 13, the end of all flesh. God said, I've got to do away with all flesh because the earth is filled with violence through them and I have to destroy them with the earth. How many of you have heard on the news that the group Hamas? You heard about Hamas? Hamas is the Hebrew word written in the Bible for violence. We're still battling violence today. We're still battling Hamas. And their terror cells are everywhere. The other ones, they may not call themselves Hamas, but it is Hamas. And it is against the seed of God and against mankind. So it says there that these are terrorists. It it is evil and violence. It means that every imaginable thing that can destroy or ruin humanity is imagined and they do it. And they try to corrupt. They try to murder, torture. And the violence, it says, was through them. It was through the, the offspring of the fallen ones with the, uh, the daughters of men. And I don't think that we can begin to imagine how this is. Often what happens is, is we become numb to the things and, and we, we go about life. And like I said, we're pretty sheltered, most of us, from, for most of our life here. So we don't really realize these things. And so we kind of become lulled into sleep. And, and, the, and we don't think really about the violence that is out there waiting to spring itself upon us because I think that the word of God is trying to get us to understand how often that this blindsidedness we can be taken and deceived just like the woman was in the garden because we do not expect that kind of betrayal from the people that are around us do we we don't expect it so we're not looking for it but what the word of God says that it is out there all the time now 
I've got a sweet sister, and she's not here today. She wasn't feeling well, but she asked me about two months ago a question. And her question was, um, what did Jesus mean when he said, I want you to be wise as serpents, but harmless as a dove? And I said, I gave her a partial answer, and I said, but I think we're going to uncover it more and more as we go. And this week, that popped up to me. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 10 here real quick. It's on the board up there. And in the beginning of the chapter, Jesus has called his 12 disciples together. He's given them some power. He's given them a commission. And he's told him to go into the area and preach the kingdom gospel to them. And tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And go to the lost house, the sheep of Israel. So then you get down to verse 16. As the Lord is sending them off to do that mission out there in the mission field. He says this, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And what does that mean? Well, what that means and what I'm beginning to understand more and more is we need to know the, what the serpent is like. And we need to know his tactics and be aware so that we are not deceived by them because they're there. We are the sheep of his pasture. How many times have we read that? He said, I am the good shepherd. You are my sheep. He's saying, what are we? We are ambassadors for Christ in this world. We are go to go and preach the gospel to every creature. But take this warning that go ye as you are like my sheep out there in the land of ravenous wolves. The wolves want to devour you and tear you apart even though you are trying to preach to them the gospel that's going to save their souls. And at that same time. So this is what we have to realize that violence is still at work today. We are sheep. We are trying to save them but they are trying to unleash their violence upon us and to stop it and don't get blindsided be ye wise as serpents know about it but be harmless as doves what's a dove represent yeah peace and the holy spirit you remember when when jesus came up to john and john baptized him in the river jordan and when he arose out of the water and the heavens opened up and the voice of god broke said this is my son in whom i am well pleased what was floating down and it was what the holy spirit in the form of a dove so whenever we are to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves we're walking in those fruit of the spirit we're going to be harmless as doves because the dove represents the holy spirit that is within us and all of that peace and the love and the joy and the patience and the gentleness, all of those things are supposed to be our character. We are supposed to present ourselves as harmless as doves and presenting those things to them. But be aware of the tactics of the serpent because he's like a wolf and he wants to tear the sheep apart. And that's what's going on in this. And we even have that same warning in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I think we touched on it a few weeks ago. But to keep it in our mind, Paul tells them, I fear 
that by lest by any means that as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. And that means through his niceness. That means he's going to come at you at sweet and light. He's going to tell you smooth things. He's going to tell you that this is for your good. I'm doing it for your well-being and for your welfare. And the next thing you know, just as the bite came in and all of a sudden now you are crushed. Because she got deceived into what it was by all of the filling up of the goodness that he was lying to her and telling her about. She says, I don't want him to work his subtlety in your minds so that you should become corrupted. <laughs> There's that term that we've just been using from the simplicity that is in Christ. Don't get tricked. Be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves because he's going to try to take you. And the whole point of this battle is that it's a battle over G DNA and genetics. Underline that point. They were bold enough to leave their estate and their habitation to wage this war on here and risk eternal condemnation and chains of darkness awaiting that great day of judgment. So now, besides corrupting DNA, their bloodthirsty violence still continued against humanity. You could go throughout the Bible, like we said before, in every attack in the times of Moses, in the times of Jesus, in the times of Abraham. There was Abraham had the promise of the covenant through his wife, Sarah, and twice she ended up in the harem of a pagan king and was about ready to take that seed line away. And God had to... to show his hand and use restriction of the Holy Spirit upon those that were in the harem so that that did not happen and she got returned back unto Abraham. You see, over and over again, there was the war against the line of Jesus coming. So now, I'm just going to go on a side note, Miss T. You can stop following for a minute. The seed line doesn't only have to be us. When God created this world and he began saying, okay, I'm, I'm giving you every tree and I am giving you every herb of the field and every fruit with what bearing after its kind? Seed. I am giving you every fruit from the tree with seed bearing after its kind. A true apple tree, you plant the seed, you get an apple tree again. Whenever you take a tomato that is a true genetic form of tomato that was from the hand of God and you plant that heirloom tomato, you get the same tomato back if it hasn't been crossed with anything else. So seed wars don't only go on with us. It is going on with animals. It is going on with plants and trees and everything around us. I, I try to buy everything right now that has a big sticker that says GMO free. Do you know what GMO is? Genetically modified organisms. The genetic war is going on not only with people, but it's going on with everything that we put in our body because it changes our body. They are putting things in the food Half of the countries will not allow genetically modified things. It will not allow the different chemicals in the, uh, the pesticides, the herbicides, the genetically modified seeds. 
Monsanto, every seed that they have is genetically modified. That means it is no longer what it was. It is something different. And you can take that seed, and I don't know what they put in there, but you can grow a cornfield, you can grow a soybean field, and you can spray it with the harshest chemicals, and everything dies except for what was in that seed, that corn stalk or that, that soybean. And guess what it's doing? It is soaking up those chemicals inside of, of that fruit that they are going to now put into everybody's food. And the United States of America, supposedly the greatest country on earth, supposedly the greatest health care and blessings of God on earth, spends more than any country on earth, 15 of them combined, on health care. And we are number 35, I think, in the world of, of supposedly like first world kingdoms in health. Why? Because... The seed war is genetically modifying everything and it is modifying our health and it is changing who we are. So we're in a war. It's already been declared from Genesis 3 and we just don't see it because, man, it's so easy to not have to grow all my fields without a weed. I can just spray it because what I've got growing is coming up without weed-free. So this is a war, and it's against our bodies to change who we are. Let's go on to the next one. Why am I doing all this? You're there. You're already there. Turn with me to Luke 17. Why has the Holy Spirit had us in this seed war for about four weeks? I wondered too. <laughs> to be honest, I just... I just sit down and write and trust that he, he's taking us where we need to be. So then you look at these two passages in the New Testament. This is our Lord talking, by the way. This is why we had to know everything that we've been brought to knowledge to up to this point. Gospel of Luke chapter 17, verse 24, we read. The Lord says he's talking about the the times when it's getting time that the world is going to have to be destroyed again because of the genetic seed war and I'll prove that to you in a minute Luke 17 24 as the lightning that lighteth out of one part under heaven and shines unto the other part under heaven so shall the also the son of man be in his day so in other words when he comes he is light in him is no darkness and there's going to be a time that his light will be like lightning around the entire globe. And everyone will see him as he comes. It says then in verse 25, but first, the Lord had to suffer many things and he was rejected by his generation. And he died on that cross for us. But then he says this. But you're wondering what it's going to be like when that time comes, when I'm like the lightning that flies from one end to the other and I'm coming back in my glory. And he says it's going to be like this. As it was in the days of Noah. That's right. So shall it be in the time of the coming of the Son of Man. Leroy's about ready to get up and jump you all and run around, I'm telling you. He's, he, Jesus himself is saying that as it was in that time, that's why I put that in the Bible for you. That's why I want you to understand 
the depths of the war that you were in. Because as it was in those days and the world was becoming corrupted through the things that was going into us. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. What did they do? Verse 27, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Till the very day the rest of the world just carried on and the flood came and destroyed them all. And I'm going to say this now, I may have it there in a minute, but this is what I was thinking of when I read these two passages of Scripture. It was this. The Lord is put, putting it in terms of like, as we know from Genesis 6, that the earth was filled with what? Violence. Hamas. It was violence. The earth was filled with it. But when I read Jesus' take on it, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that he entered the ark and the Lord shut the door. You know what that means? Everybody got used to it and just let it go on and never did anything about it. Oh, it'll end. We'll just let it keep going on. It's not going to come and affect me. No. So they kept on going. Even during the battle, the violence, everything that was going on, it was business as usual. We're going to let it go. I'm not going to get involved. It's, it's going to stay away from me. And the Lord's, I read that it had to be destroyed because of the violence that was through them. There was murders. There was everything going on. Women were being taken by these things and bearing these offspring. And the Lord describes as they did eat and drink and married wives and were given in marriage until the day that Noah. That means they got used to it and they let it go on and didn't say a word about it. Look at Matthew 24 up there on the board or in your Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the very day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not that the flood came, and took away them all, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. Man, it, praise, yeah. Noah, it said, was a preacher of righteousness in Hebrews for 120 years. And nobody listened. And what the, what the Lord in Genesis 6 perceived as violence... He's now telling us that the rest of the world counted it as normal and let it go on and didn't stop it. And they didn't do a thing. They got carried up in it and started evidently promoting it and doing it and being a part of it. Ooh, well, I'll take part too and I will be taken in marriage and I'll party with them and I'll eat and drink. And they, were, they were becoming what the enemy who was destroying them wanted to be and they got destroyed without thinking 
that anything about it. They did not become wise like a serpent to understand what he was doing to them. And they did not see the evil that was happening right under their nose. And they went along with it. They put up with it. They took part in it. And all the evil and all the violence and the wickedness went right along to their own destruction. The Lord says there that the flood came and took them all away. And so shall it be in the coming of me just as it was in that day. Their gene- this was about the genetic DNA was corrupted upon all of the earth. Filled the land. Women taken by angels. Society did not stop what was going on. They'd been tricked. And he spoke about it for 120 years and said this is coming. No one would listen to him and there was no resistance. Folks, this is happening under our very nose this day. And we're going along with it. And it's happening. And we're not demanding that it be stopped. This has everything to do with the stuff I was telling you about, the, G- the GMOs, all of the stuff that's happening that changes who we are. And it's time for us to at least open our eyes and become wise as serpents and harmless as doves and try to preach the message just as Noah did. And if we can convince them about Christ, then we can convince them about what's happening to mankind as well. But they are trying to murder us genetically and take over who we are. All of those little, you remember them companies started coming out. Let me share something with you. Remember them companies started coming out like 23andMe. Oh, Take us a swab sample, send it in, and we can tell you what your ancestry was, and we can tell you where you came from. And I have watched people who have swabbed dogs, they have swabbed watermelons, and they have sent those swabs into 23andMe, and it's came back, oh, they're about 54% of this country and, and 10% of this. And it's like, so my watermelon has came from all of those things. Do you realize what they're really doing? They are collecting DNA samples in order to, to run experiments on that, on how they can get things to attach to that and to change you and to make you sick or to, to change who you are or how you think. I'll go deeper some other time. But I wanted you to be aware of these things. If the Spirit of God leads us to go deeper, we will. But now I just want you to know that this is a war and this is serious. This is what, as it was then, so shall it be when I come. And how many think that we, we are closer today than they were back in, in John's day when he wrote the book of 1 John and said, Little children, people talk about the last days. We are living in the last days, he said then. That was 2,000 years ago. And he said, we are living in them. So in other words, every day is one more day closer to when Jesus comes. I don't know when it's going to be. But when it is, it's going to be closer to the days of Noah. And what was going on. We have to know what was going on in Noah's day so that we can understand why the Lord's going to end up getting ready to come back 
to get his people out of here before that because they're trying to take everything that God made and change it. That's what Satan does. Whether it is plants, animals, I, I would shudder to tell you the stories that they're doing with animals. I'll tell you one. You want to hear one? Okay. No? <laughs> I'll save it then because I don't want to upset no one. But just let me tell you, it is terrible what they are doing and what they are trying to make it do with people. So all flesh had been corrupted as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be now. So now, why am I saying all that again? Remember a minute ago I told you that they're trying to do the same thing today and to make it like that? And I said I'd prove it to you. You may have read this a thousand times and never seen it, but turn to Daniel chapter 2. I explained it on Monday night a couple of weeks ago uh, to the folks that was there because... Irvin kind of skipped over this and uh, didn't really go into detail about it. And uh, I, I still don't have probably the true depth of detail, but I want you to know about it. And um, chapter 2, it's a great chapter of where King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Chaldean king, he has this dream. And in his dream, he saw an image. And there was this great image, but by the time he woke up, he forgot it and he couldn't remember what it was but it bothered him so much I've just got to know about it and so he started calling in his sorcerers his wise men his magicians everybody that supposedly had spiritual from the the dark side to be able to try to tell him what was going on horoscope readers every one of them and they brought him in and they said king what was it you dreamed so that we can tell you what it was and they went no what I'm saying is, I don't remember what the dream was. So if you're worth your salt, you can tell me what I dreamt, if you're really inspired. You can tell me what I dreamt and the interpretation of it. And they said, nobody can do that. Man, this kind of question has never been asked to anyone, O king. Don't you know you're trying to do a foolish thing here? And he says, I will have your heads in just a couple of days, and your houses will may, may be made a dung heap if you don't tell me. And if you don't know what a dung heap was back then, here's what they did. This is a little extra too, Miss T. So a dung heap was when the, the king got so mad at you because you couldn't do what you, what you wanted to, or you did something against the king to show everyone that you don't mess with him. He would take your place of residence. He would hang you or kill you on a stake or do whatever it was. And your family and your place of residence. They would tear down boulder by boulder into nothing. And then say here is where you dump all of your pots of feces and everything from your houses. This is now the dung heap in town. So whenever you read in the, in the Old Testament said that, that it, uh, you'll be, be turned into a dung heap, that's what it means. You will be shown to be the obstacle to everyone. And for an example to them, your house, you will die. We will bury you there. And on top of that will be piled the dung of everyone in town. That is what a dung heap is. And he told every one of those magicians and all of those sorcerers and all those people, he said... You tell me what I'm asking you for or you, all you've been doing is draining me on my payroll and you ain't good for nothing and your places will be turned into dung heaps and you all will be done with. 
So they're all scared. Now, all of the servants of the king are going to the other people and to tell them. And one of those people who was in kind of that branch of the government was Daniel. And so he came in under Daniel's room and, and said, man, we're going to have to take you. It's going to be off with your head. We're going to have to kill you. And he said, why? <laughs> what did I do? And he said, no, it's because the king had a dream. He doesn't know what the dream is. No one can tell him what it was. So he thinks all you guys are worthless and we're going to kill you all and make you dung heaps. And he says, wait a minute. I serve a different God than what those people do. I'm just now finding out about it. So you ask that king to hit the pause button for a minute. Give me a couple of days to talk to my God. And let's see what my God can do. Because I serve a God that's a living God and an awesome God. And he can give me that if he wants to. And so he says, I will tell him. And the king granted it. And Daniel, that night, the, the Lord came to him and he told him. He said, Daniel, here's the dream. And here's the interpretation thereof. And so he calls in that servant the next day and he says, tell the king that I've got the dream that the Lord gave it to me and that I can let him know what it was. So man, they just grabbed him and rushed him and they'd sent messengers up ahead and the king said, send him in, send him in. So Daniel came in and he said, I hear that you have came up with it. And he said, oh no, king, you're not going to put any credit on me for what the Lord God has done. Because it's the Lord God that gives these things. He's the one that knows the history. He's the one that knows every man. And this is what it was, O king. You saw a great uh, image. You saw that this image was a great statue like a man. And it had a head of gold. And it had arms and chest of silver. And it had a stomach and, and the thighs of brass. And then it had legs of iron. And then it had some toes and feet that was made of iron and clay. He said, is that the, that the dream he had? He said, yeah, now it's coming back. That, that's what I dreamed. He said, well, king, that was your dream. And now here's the interpretation thereof. So now he says, what you watched also there in verse 34. You also saw that out of a mountain that a stone was cut without hands. Do you remember? I told you to underline this in your mind. Do you remember what our next body is going to be? This body was an earthly body, but the next one it said in 2 Corinthians, when we get our new habitation, would be a new body made without hands. So whenever you have a body made without hands, it's a celestial body that wasn't formed of dust of ground, so it's a celestial body. So here's another little point for all of you uh, students of eschatology which is the end times so when it says that that means that this is after the Lord Jesus's death burial and resurrection and he is now sitting on the throne beside God in his new body that he left in Acts chapter 1 and ascended up into heaven in because there is one who is the rock who is the stone the Lord Jesus, he's the rock. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. So he says, you watched and there was the stone cut without hands. So this is the Lord Jesus in resurrected form. When he returns, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. When I return, it will be like the stone without hands that's going to strike the feet of the image that was made of 
iron and clay, and it's going to break it into pieces. Let's turn the page, Miss T. Because then what happens? And then he says, whereas you saw all of those toes and feet that was partly of potter's clay and of miry clay and partly of iron, this kingdom will be a divided kingdom. There will be a lot of them. It won't be one kingdom like Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. This will be a bunch of kingdoms and a bunch of kings. They are all divided. Some of the strength of the kingdoms will be like iron and some of them is going to be like iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so shall the kingdom at that time when the Lord, the stone, cut out of the mountain without hands, returns to crush it. Whereas, verse 33, you saw iron, or 43, saw iron mixed with the miry clay. Look what it says. Have you ever read it this way? They shall mingle themselves with what? This is not the seed of man mingling with the seed of man, or it would just be talking about the seed of man. This is they, just like in Genesis 6, they went into the daughters of men and bore unto them those that they had. It says they are going to try to mingle themselves with the seed of men. So themselves and they are different than the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as clay cannot cleave unto iron. So in other words, they're going to try, and they're going to try, and they're going to actually like try to put one into the other and, and make it, but it's going to end up falling apart. And in the days of that time period, as it was in the days of Noah when they were mingling the seed of men, they were changing the DNA, even as the time of the days of Noah will be in the time of Christ. So that, that stone is going to come and crush those kingdoms. In the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And that kingdom shall be a kingdom that will not be left unto others. In other words, Babylon got conquered by the, 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 the Medes and the Persians, and the Medes and the Persians, by the, it, the kingdom's not going to be left to anyone else because when the Son of Man comes, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, in that same time when again, as in the days of Noah, they are trying to mingle themselves with the seed of men, when he comes, he's going to set up a kingdom this time. It's going to be the destruction of all those kingdoms in the world. And it says it will break them into pieces it will consume those kingdoms and the kingdom of God will now stand forever amen, amen. so now for as much as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and it breaks into pieces the iron the brass the clay the silver the gold so has the great God made known to you O king what's going to come to pass hereafter and some places in the first part it said in the latter dreams and this dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So now I know why the Lord God has been leading us on an in-depth study of what Genesis 6 was all about, because the same thing.
thing is trying to spawn itself right now upon us with all of the scientific things that's being undertaken because we do not realize, we are not wise as serpents and we cannot understand that there is evilness out there in some realms that is really trying to do some things to bring us down. So you know what? Preview of coming attractions. Invite everybody you can next week because the message that I think I want to get is back to Jesus and I want to talk about preparing for his return because it says that I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back in the days of those kings when these seeds are trying to mingle with them and they're trying to mingle and it ain't going to happen. I'm going to set up a kingdom. We need to get as many people in Christ and saved and ready for this time because you do not know the hour, the day that he will come. But now I hope you're beginning to understand that this is a war that goes all the way to the end when Christ comes with the seed. Daniel said, the Lord God said, this is what's happening in verse 43 there. And I pray that you understand it. So as our praise team comes on up and we get ready to to depart for the day and take this with us. What a journey we've been on, right? It's been quite a journey. Here's some things that I'm taking away from it as I sit and look back on it. Folks, we're, these things are taking shape right now. Whether it comes to fruition during our lifetime or not, I don't know. But they're taking shape right now. I, I know they are. He's, he confirms that every day when I'm looking at things. They are moving in that direction fast. What I realized, that we are sheep in his pasture. And man, when, when we're out here, we're among wolves and we don't even know it. We don't even realize that the wolves are there because we've been protected. And, and our mindset is, is filled with the Spirit and on, on the things of the Spirit and on Christ. We're not wise to His ways. And we, I don't think we really believe that the, all of that evil would come against us and our families. But Jesus said His only desire is to come to kill, to steal, and destroy. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks ago, I showed a picture of Baphomet. You remember that statue with the thing with its arms like that? Dissolve and coagulate was what was tattooed on the arms. Dissolve everything that is of God's. Dissolve their bodies. That word was used in in 2 Corinthians 5 that I had up there when it says, if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, you see... Satan's desire is to dissolve everything that was of God's and that was of pure and that is holy and good for us. And he wants to dissolve it and to coagulate. When that happens, your blood forms clots, right? It changes into something else and recoagulates. So it says he wants to dissolve what was God's and repurpose it for his own plans of harm against you. I got to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And by knowing these facts, that just as Noah went and preached for 120 years, my job until the time when my ark comes for me, whether it's the Lord in my last breath or when he comes with that shout of the archangel and the trump of God, one of two ways, I was preaching until that time comes and I'm ready for whenever he comes to take me away. They... The entities of the devil are going to try to 
to steal that from us and to take it away from us. But our job is to praise God. Our, God, our job is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature so that those who will believe and are baptized will be saved. And we pray for those who don't, that they will, if they don't do it as we talk to them. And, and let's pray. And Father, I always have to trust that the message is from you. Because you know that I felt like I was staying too long on a subject and, and burdening it. But this is what came out of the writing when I prayed. So, Father, I pray that it was your word and that you've blessed it and it was so that we could really understand, that we could really see that as it was in the days of Noah, so is these same schemes trying to come against us and we don't need to be tricked and beguiled and, and lulled into sleep, but help us to be open and awake Help us to be your servants, to be harmless as doves while we're out there among the wolves. Help us to be wise as the serpent's ways, but help us to be your ambassadors. And it's tough. Man, in this world, it's tough and everybody's getting edgy. Everybody's time is being challenged. Everybody is being short with everyone else because that pressure, I think, when it talked about we groan in this body just like the pressures of childbirth because of the pressures that's going on in this world. It's like the pressure has been turned up like the frog that's in the pot and it just keeps getting a click here and there and it doesn't realize until it's too late that the heat is on. It's almost like that pressure is there and we're going with it, but you can see that it's affecting people. So, Father, I pray that you diffuse that, especially in us, your children, and allow us to have the fruit of the Spirit and allow us to be your ambassadors and to lead others to Christ. We have to do it with that spirit of courage, Father, and not of fear. And, Father, we love you. We thank you for sharing these things in your word and letting us know what to look for and to be aware of. We thank you for your Son. We wait for his return anxiously in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh God.